Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Enover, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Tanya Abbey about changes in the recruitment market, top tips for candidates and employers in 2021. Tanya sits at the forefront of the recruitment industry in Australia with over 14 years experience and thousands of successful job placements under her belt. She is the CEO of Black Wolf Group, a Queensland-based recruitment agency, which she co-founded with her husband, Pete. Hello and welcome, Tanya. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Clive. That's an absolute pleasure. Amongst other things, we always want to hear from people who are young, vibrant, successful. <laughs> Can I find a few more adjectives? That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, where have we found you geographically? I'm based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. Mm-hmm. And is that home? It is home. It is home for me now. So I was originally born in Mackay and my dad was in a raft. So we moved around Australia. And about eight years ago, we moved to the Gold Coast and had our family here and, and moved our business here from Brisbane. Excellent. So tell us about this family. What's this family consist of? <laughs> um, I'm surrounded by males. So I have a five-year-old boy and I have a three-year-old boy. Well, he's turning three in October. And I have two male Siamese cat and obviously my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the husband, we don't want to leave him out. Where did you find Pete? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Uh, we worked together probably about nine years ago, and then we co-founded Black Wolf together, started it eight years ago. And why Black Wolf? The name? Mm. So we had a, um, this is a true story too. So we had, we were told to read a sales book, and it's called The Challenger. And The Challenger is the ideal salesperson, essentially where you challenge your clients to think outside the box. And Pete and I were reading it at the company that we worked at and probably didn't agree because I feel that a good salesperson needs to adapt and not really see themselves as sales. And he was identified as the lone wolf, the person that kind of goes off and does their own thing, doesn't play nicely with others and, and things like that, which I, I kind of thought was really funny. And then he always had said that he was a bit of the black sheep of the family and I'm not talking out of turn. Any of his family who will listen to this will laugh. So it was a bit tongue in cheek that when we named the group, it was called Black Wolf. But then it came it came full circle because he did play football when he was younger. So he always really liked that family group mentality and I always enjoy being around I have a small family but I love big families Um, his family is Greek so he has a lot of um, cousins and and relatives so now it's really turned into the wolf pack when we talk about our staff and contractors so it was kind of a a tongue-in-cheek bit of a joke initially but it's really turned into something that people love we adopt it a lot in you know interviews or even training you know when the guys are doing their sales they say they're kind of going on the hunt it ends up working really well for us but yeah that's that's the true story (laughs) very good and of course you mentioned that it relates to family if we look closely at wolves wolves are particularly careful about family yes and i like the idea that you've got your salespeople going out on the hunt because the next bit, of course, is the most important for years in sales my team whenever a sale was made I made sure that there was a bell 
And whenever a sale was made, there had to be this bell ringing. So do you all sit around and howl? We do, and we actually have a bell. (laughs) Very good. So Pete likes when he offers someone a job, he assesses their howl. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. We've got to introduce a little bit of fun in business. We mustn't be so serious all the time. Otherwise, we'll, we'll end up thinking that salespeople are supposed to challenge everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Tell us about Tanya. You're working away, doing your role, and whoopee do, here's an idea. Let's start our own business. What on earth brought that on? And when was that? So, and we were talking about it before, Clive. Anyone that has read the E Myth, actually, he gets it perfect. The technician is working away. They don't necessarily agree with how something's done, or they believe they can do it better. And they go, All right, let's start a business, or I'm going to start a business. It'll be easy. And that's what we thought. And then we, I look back now and laugh, thinking that it would be easy. Back in 2013, the company that we'd worked for, and a lot of recruiters were doing it too, they were trying to put clients into contracts where it was more of a retained model. So retained for recruiters basically means you have to, you know, I'll hire someone for you, but you have to pay me along the way, regardless of whether I hire someone for you or not. So as a rule, I don't do that in that business because you should really only pay unless you hire someone. And they were doing a lot of that. They were asking us, to do you know offer that to our clients but it really doesn't work because it doesn't instill trust so when you put and perhaps it's my perception but when you sell a retained model you do want to get paid regardless of whether you're successful that's basically in my opinion so he was originally the salesperson and and I'm the recruiter so we thought we had a really good blended experience and we went out got two laptops we probably had maybe one or two thousand to our name we were both coming off the back of terrible divorces which is not private it's public knowledge and yeah we pretty much was us against the world he did 100 phone calls a day and I did the recruitment and yeah it wasn't easy but I think because we had that mindset to do well and you know be quite focused on the task and at that point the task was really us against the world you know We talk about the reason why you do things and your purpose. And I don't feel like our purpose when we first started was overly aligned to the to a bigger goal. But we certainly learned that very quickly because money is the end result of why you do things, you know, is the end result of, you know, what you do, not why you do things. But purpose is very different. Purpose is making a change and making an impact. So we learned very quickly that together we could definitely provide a service and do it with intent, good intentions, and do it because we loved it and do it quickly because you don't really call a recruiter because you need someone in two months. You usually need someone now. So, yeah, that was the beginning. Funny how those of us in business don't realise until yesterday or this morning that we actually needed somebody yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> But essentially, in starting your business, you identified what you could do. You could identify that you together could do it better than individually. And at least you had a process and you went about implementing that process. Yes. So you mentioned that as you managed to do that, and you were getting by, obviously, but it became apparent fairly quickly that you needed a larger goal. What happened there? I think when you're motivated to be better than other people, like I said before, it only it's only sustainable for so long because then you go through probably the experience that they had when they first started their business and you hopefully start to realise that 
it's not that easy and perhaps they had their own challenges as well. So then we looked at the clients that we were helping and we asked what they liked about our process and our procedure and, and you know, what they enjoyed about it compared to other recruiters. And that's still a question I ask now, you know, what's your experience been? What do you want it to be? And then we became really passionate about helping companies grow with the right people and making that impact to their team. And I think that whole us against the world really only happened for about three months until we were really thrown into the thick of it and realized that we needed to focus on that bigger goal of just helping people. So, yeah. And nothing really happened, but it was probably just more feedback from clients around, you know, recruiters just want to make money or once they get their fee, they're out the door, you don't hear from them. So even now I say in six months, I won't be gone to another agency, not just because I'm one of the owners, because I genuinely want to help you grow. And I'm not interested in recruiting 20 roles or one role. I'm interested in seeing that person succeed and hearing that call from my client to say, thank God I called you because they're helping me. So I think the meaning became different. And as Zig Ziglar is what to tell us on regular occasions, if we listen to his work, you can have anything in life you want, provided you help enough other people get what they want. So essentially, that's what you discovered. You help people rather than fight people, you can get on. know it's healthy competition like I don't I connect with other recruiters on LinkedIn they're my colleagues in the industry and I actually really enjoy healthy competition because I always feel like I can learn from other people as well and that's that's a lesson in itself to have the humility to do that and remove ego I think from from your work day to day that sounds like you're of the opinion that there are lessons all around Tanya there are always lessons (laughs) every day And you mentioned perception earlier on. These lessons, it's just a matter of perception, whether they're good lessons or bad, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's how you look at things. So, you know, going back to the 100 calls, 100 sales calls a day, doing the recruitment off the back of his sales calls, we were, and I said this to him the other day, the the challenges we have now, I really, you know, prayed for or wished for or hoped for eight years ago. The challenge we have now is that we have so much work that I worry that we can't, we can, but I worry that if we don't keep hiring for ourselves, we're lacking quality. And that's when I always hire. But the perception, you know, and the perspective here is eight years ago, we were reserving $20 of fuel in the car to get to client visits and making sure that, you know, our clothes were ironed and, and didn't spill coffee on them because this was a deal that we needed and, you know, really wanting to go and shake people's hands and, and do that. So I look now and I, I see my awesome team out there working in Brisbane and in Sydney and I think of the two that sat opposite each other in that office in Holland Park in Brisbane where you know aircon didn't work and we were running out of petrol in the car and and now our biggest problem is that we have too much work so perception and and keeping I think that gratitude in the forefront of your mind and also perspective to what you had before is is really important I think that's one of the key things in business um, and in life really Indeed, keeping your eye on the things that you want is most important. Now, you mentioned the the office in Sydney. Yeah. Many people in business would like to expand their operation from whatever it is that they begin with, and many of those people fail. You managed to distance from the Gold Coast where you are to Sydney, a thousand kilometres maybe? It's an hour and five minutes on the plane. <laughs> 
sometimes it's easier, quicker to go to Sydney than it is to Brisbane at the moment because everyone's <laughs> moving up here. So, well, that to- hasn't that hasn't changed in decades. No, so, <laughs> no, no, it's not far. At all. When you decided to open another office so far away, what were some of the hurdles that presented themselves which you were able to overcome? So, when we moved from Brisbane to the Gold Coast, it was off the back of a really large client contract that we had. And Pete always wanted to live on the Gold Coast, so I kind of thought, well, we should just do it then. And then we had a staff member that was moving to Brisbane and I really wanted to keep her. So, And I'm quite an opportunist, so I thought if she was up there, I could build an office up there as well. And then, I, But I did learn, though, that even though I had her there and other staff there, I physically needed to be there. So that's one of the challenges, really getting there and being around people so they know you can't really let people put to their own devices like it's not that it's more around understanding your vision and why it's important that we do the things we do and how we do them sydney's the same sydney's more of a newer one where um i use a service office in brisbane and the same one i can use in sydney as well so that's for me at the moment sydney's just me and another person so i travel down there one or two times a month and really i've learned from brisbane to have those really structured processes to be available myself and the team leader and Pete for the people when they do need us if I'm not in that office but to visit regularly and it's again it's not that big brother mentality and I I do I stress that because a lot of people have that mindset particularly off the back of COVID that their employees watching them maybe they are I can't talk from their their behalf but definitely challenges when you're building a business in another location is to visit regularly because what's the point If you're doing it, you can't just trust that someone in another state that you've never met knows what they're doing and knows what you're about because they'll do it their own way because they haven't received guidance from you. So we're really lucky now that we can just have, you know, serviced offices or locations. Whereas when we first started getting an office was, you know, a five-year commitment. So now you can kind of do a little office, get a bigger one, do it for a month, you know. So it's, I think many people that started their business you know 10 years ago probably struggled to move so with agile and and efficiency into other locations but i think yeah so the important thing there is you've identified what sized office you need how many people you need how to how to house them etc but you've maintained personal contact you're attending on a regular basis yeah that's you know it's you know the chicken or the egg like do you get the business first and then get the people and i talk to a lot of clients in sydney that want to move up to queensland just a location but they want to get the work up here first and then get the people which does make sense but i always say you need to be here consistently not regularly but on a monday i'm going to be there every second monday for four days and they know that that you'll be and actually do it as well don't say that you're going to do it and then don't do it so it's yeah being consistent too the other thing i think i've noticed in amongst this is you're building this business growing this business you're expanding into other offices in different geographical locations at the same time as you're having kitties Yes, yeah. How did that work? I think when you can make a commitment to have kids, you know it's going to be a challenge, but you don't realise what the challenge will be until you have them. The second one's always easier as well. I think people can probably attest to that. If you had a bit been. of practice on the first one. Yes, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> first child. Oh. But, yeah, I think, you know, Pete's really great. Like he's very hands-on in terms of being a dad. So when we had 
the first one, we were still in a home office. So we had our like, so I was really lucky to be able to work and then sleep when he was sleeping and, and Pete was there to take, um, to look after him when I had phone calls and, and things like that. The second one, and then, you know, obviously utilize daycare as well as much as possible because I feel, and I know that not everyone's in the same situation as myself. My brother is a psychologist and he works with children. So I did talk to him a lot. So I had a lot of mum guilt attached to this but I feel as though putting my child in daycare where they could really learn um, from educators versus what I could offer him which would be really sitting at home in front of the tv because I was you know on calls and I just for me personally I feel like I chose a better choice for him because he's really advanced now and, and everything else the second one the trailblazer he came to the office with me very early and the girls loved it so we had an office then so they would hold him or look after him while I was making phone calls I'd be talking to them and he would be in my pouch in front of me and I'd be telling them to do something with a client and they wouldn't be listening <laughs> they would just be looking at him because he was very cute as a baby still is but I think it's really making it work you know everyone kind of says where do you get your energy from you know and and how do you kind of juggle everything Really, you don't. I think you feel as though you're not doing as well every day and that probably is what pushes me to to be better and do more or try harder. But I'm very fortunate in that I have friends and, you know, awesome things like daycare and also a supportive partner to help me. Uh, and then just when it's family time, it's family time. You know, so, so there's no reason why I'm working so hard for my family, but then I don't see them. There's no reason to not spend time with them. So there's strict rules on the weekend after certain hours um, at work. So, I mean, it's purely family time. So it's structure, but it's not too structured. Without structure, things fall down, don't they? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that inspired you in the first place to get out there and create brand new business, never been heard of before, bingo, and expanding? What inspired you to get all that underway? Uh, I think, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously Pete and myself, he's very much, you know, he's that salesperson that, is the problem solver, really. And we joke about this, and if he was in this, he would agree, but I've always been the one to really smooth things over, be quite relationship-focused. I do a lot of the tenders. I'm very, you know, I think calm in my approach, and, and I build those relationships, and I do the training with the staff. I think what inspired us to really go out and do that is obviously to do it to the very best of our ability, but also, as I said earlier, um, to really be not the best in our field, but the best that we can be. And and by being that way, it's bringing that really authentic approach and going, you need help with your business, but I'm not going to throw you three resumes. I'm going to find you someone that will help you impact your business because I learned how much a bad hire can affect your business from hiring people myself. And I also engage a lot with my clients and candidates to find out what's happening in their lives. So you hear of clients that really struggle because they do perhaps want to let someone go, but they've been with the business for 15 years or you hear candidates that feel disillusioned because they've sent their resume out to 30 people and no one's called them. So recruitment is, as one of my recruiters, Christian said, recruitment is very complicated, very simple, sorry, but people complicate it. But it's also complicated too because you essentially are trying to find a match. And I feel that we find that match really well. We sit in a position where we are hirers and we are business owners, but also we can relate to candidate too. Like I was, at the beginning of one of my training sessions, I tell a story about a girl who was running late for an interview. She was working in retail. She was running late. 
She wore, you know, stockings. She, you know, was running along the cobblestones. She, her bus was late and one of her stockings ripped because she went to pull it up and it ripped. So she had to go into the bathroom. She was like, oh, just remove the stockings. Not even worry about it. Hopefully they won't notice if I put my coat over my legs. All this stress. And then she was still five minutes late. And then the interviewer made her late, make her wait for 20 minutes. And I was that girl in my very first recruitment role interviewing for it. So I really learned that trickle of sweat that goes down your back when you're late for an interview. But also I learned to respect people's time because I had to sit there for 20 minutes because they didn't really think of my time. So I use that a lot as an example of a candidate perspective, but also how, you know, you should value people's time. So I put myself through the examples. I actively sit there and ask clients what they, you know, hate about recruiters, or I ask candidates, what don't you like about recruiters? What's been your best experience? What's been your worst experience? So I think if you are in business, but you are delegating down and you don't understand your industry, you can't be good at it, in my opinion, because you're not living it and you're not practicing it. So I think when Pete and I go out there and, and we're inspired to do better is because we know the pain that people are going through. And I hopefully that makes sense, but I, you know, that's what inspires us to keep going and that's what inspired us to start. Yeah. Indeed, makes perfect sense. And you mentioned that a bad hire is very expensive. And of course, for those of us who looked into this in a little bit of depth, we understand that a bad hire is not just expensive because it costs you money to hire somebody and, and then uh, move them on and rehire, there's a whole bunch more goes into it to add to the cost and the cost can linger for a long, long time in a business. What do you think, Tanya, is the secret to making a good hire? I think knowing what you want, but not trying to get one. I had a client call the other day and he was like, Tan, I need an admin person, but I want her to do marketing, accounts, my EA stuff, pick up my kids. <laughs> No, your first, work. Hire, <laughs> your first hire can't do everything because in six months, how well, how do you define success in that role? And what are they managed on? Are they managed on how timely your dry cleaning is coming in? Or are they managed on, you know, debt recovery? Like you can't, you can't do that. So I think the first thing is really understand what you want and where the gaps are. And that's where a good recruiter can help you as well. Ask your staff where they feel that there are gaps are. Like a lot of business owners are afraid to really ask their staff for advice. And, and I ask my guys all the time because I learn from them. Write a good position description. Write a good ad if you're not using a recruiter. Have interview questions. In the last six months, I've had candidates come to me and they said I've interviewed with Joe Bloggs up the road and he didn't have interview questions. He didn't have a position description. And then even one said, um, would you work in this role for free as a volunteer? That's illegal, by the way. <laughs> You're not a not-for-profit, so don't do that. And also just know what you're going to pay. So Fair Work is really good around providing salary guides as well. And then, you know, really finding out what's the vision for your company. So it's a lot of deep diving. And, and I do a lot of business consulting, but there's specific people that do business consulting. So it sounds really exhausting. And a lot of clients I deal with are like, well, what's the point in hiring? I'll just do everything myself. You can't do everything yourself because that is not sustainable and you will burn out and you will end up, you know, not delivering to your clients who will go somewhere else. So when you're looking for a first hire, or a hire, really find out what you want and what will help you. And if you, recruiters should always be contingent, so you only pay unless you hire. So 
try and find a good recruiter um, that will help you through that process or talk to other people in business and talk to your team. With Brisbane, Gold Coast and Sydney on the on the go, what's the ultimate goal for Tenya's Black Wolf? <laughs> Uh, I think Pete always said that he wanted to keep it relatively small. And I think the reason why we've grown is to for because of inquiry, sorry, and also seeking um, new contacts and taking, you know, opportunity on board. I think I'd really love to go into Victoria and I would have already been there, but the borders keep opening and closing. So I just, I've been hesitant to go there. Um, but probably going into Victoria, I'm actually recruiting for a couple of clients in the U.S., at the moment and we have recruited internationally prior to COVID so I guess probably growing organically like I don't want to take over the world um but then again I don't know if we will <laughs> we might <laughs> <laughs> well the world keeps shrinking as the uh, technology grows and becomes better so perhaps it's getting smaller and you don't need to do quite so much to <laughs> take it over that's right <laughs> on a day-by-day basis, is life better now in, in your business than it was, well, in someone else's or alternatively when you started? Yeah, it's, it's very, I feel very humbled, I think, more day-by-day than I did eight years ago or even 14 years ago when I first started in recruitment. It is definitely better the challenges you have are different. So it's like being a parent, you know, when you first have a baby or up every three hours or something it's it's the same in business the challenges are just different to what you first experienced but perhaps you don't notice it as much because you know you've you've grown more as a person or a leader so day-to-day definitely better um and yet very fun having more people around and, and having a bigger team and places to go and people to see in other states as well what gives you the biggest thrill meeting clients and offering candidates a job, I think. I think seeing clients, taking them through their their pain and then re- like letting them know I can help them. And then when you call a candidate and you say, you've got the job, and then they go, oh, my gosh, I can take my kids to ballet lessons or I can maybe apply for a house in six months. The impact is so great, you know, that you don't think about it. That those two things are, are my biggest thrills. After all of that, we didn't need to fight the world. We just needed to help people. and. That gives you the greatest thrill. Yep. Terrible when it's so simple, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk recruiting for hours, Tanya. However, we're coming to the end of the allotted time on our clock. Mm-hmm. But before I let you go, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? So I have a very close friend. Um, he's actually our accountant. And he said, and we were talking about this earlier, but he said probably about eight years ago, he's like, you know, you just have to do what you do well. And I think even when I talk to him now, because he's one of my mentors, and he's like, Tan, if, if I ever have times where I feel, you know, like I'm going to fail, he's like, just push through and do what you do well and what has given you the greatest success. And I think that's the, it's very simple, as you said before, it's probably the best bit of advice. And you just focus on that and take it day by day and great things happen. Great things happen from simple little undertakings and let's face it, do well what you do well, push through, that'll work, yep. usually does. <laughs> what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today, Tanya? I think if you want to do it, just start. You know, that we have a lot of support around us and, you know, definitely get that e-myth book. I say that to all people that I talk to, but just start because you won't know unless you start and really surround yourself with a really good network of people that can help you and also just ask questions if you're if you're stuck people helping people we're back there again Tanya. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Anyhow, it doesn't change. People helping people. (laughs) Most importantly, Tanya, before we let you get away, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? So obviously the website, blackwallgroup.com.au, but I am on LinkedIn, just Tanya Abbey, A-double-B-E-Y, Tanya with a Y, and also on Instagram, same. And Black Wolf Group is... Simply that, one word, blackwolfgroup.com.au. Tanya, this has been great to hear that recruiting doesn't have to be a problem and it can deliver really great outcomes. (laughs) Thank you for being here. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au. 